I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Good morning. All right, we are on Luke 13 today. Now, there were some present at that time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Hmm, wait a minute. They told Jesus about Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. What does that mean? It means he killed people. While they were sacrificing. I think he put... That's what the note says here. Sorry, I just slipped down. Yeah, so did a massacre during their sacrifice. It fits the reputation of Pilate. The Galileans may have broken an important Roman regulation which led to their bloody punishment. Okay. But there were a number of different, like, slaughters at the temple. Oh. In in the um, 80, 1 through 50, there was a a golden eagle erected above the temple, which is a sign of Rome. But for the Romans, it would have been a symbol of basically paganism, you know? Or, like, our power is stronger yeah, than your church. Than your God. Correct. Okay. And there was also a big massacre. I forget if it's in the Maccabean or the early Christian church of 3,000 people that were killed um, in the temple. And then that's when the Jews went to Pilate to say that this person should no longer be leader, which is something Jesus references in one of his parables. Anyway. But, okay. Yep. Jesus answered... Do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when when the tower in Siloam fell on them, do you think they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, And he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Okay, that's the end of the parable there, and then it starts a new section. So he's saying, basically, like, if bad things happen to you, it's not because you're a worse sinner. Yeah, it's the idea of bad things happen to bad people, good things happen to good people. Right. It's kind of built into us, which there are consequences for our actions. But when we start to judge people and go, well, something bad happened to that person, what did they do wrong? And Jesus addresses this in different parts when, like, someone was blind, right? And they said, what did this man do? Or was it him or his parents? His parents, yeah. And he said, what did he say then? <laughs> Something <laughs> he like He said neither, neither this, yeah. yeah, or his parents, but this has happened so that right. the glory of the Son of Man may be revealed or something some to that pe- Some line. things that happen, obviously we know, it's just because there's sin in the world, not mm-hmm. because... It's not directly correlated with your sin. Like, what is that, karma? 
Yeah. The way people believe that if you do something wrong, something bad will happen to you. If you do something good, good things will happen to you. you Which could sometimes be, does happen. Well, I mean, like, if you're talking about, like, punishments, like, if you rob a grocery store, you go to jail. Like, mm-hmm. you do a bad thing, a bad thing happens. Or if you make a good choice, you know, I guess we talk about that with our kids. Like, if you make a good choice, then good things will happen. But at the same time, you could be a very godly person doing your best to follow God's rules and loving God and it doesn't stop you from like being robbed or a fire or an earthquake or a nationwide pandemic Mm-mm. like there's going to be bad things that happen to good people yeah this is I think well it is talking about big things but um, just kind of personal diseases and hardships that, that come to people um, I think we teach that to our children because that's fair. You know, that's what we hope happens is that if you're good, good things will happen. The, the truth is, though, there's a lot of terrible people that, according to worldly standards, lots of great things happen to. Mm-hmm. You know, they get very wealthy. Mm-hmm. They they get things. And there's a lot of good people that, <clears throat> well, we know as, you know, pastors or wonderful families that have dealt with incredible hardships of um, diseases or pain or health and through those things though their faith has shown incredibly strong and it's been a we've been able to see the glory of God happen there and our faith has been strengthened watching other people um, rely and trust on the Lord and the Lord providing for them so so when he says in verse 3 and verse 5 Unless you repent, you too will all perish. It doesn't necessarily mean you will die in a bloody massacre in a temple, but maybe as he's saying, you will perish, like your soul will perish. Yeah, it's talking about more about the second death of yeah. um, judgment. Okay, but then the parable about the tree and the fruit is, is like people with faith, like showing you have faith. Like your fruit of your spirit being faith, and if it doesn't, if you're not bearing fruit, then he's giving them one more chance, one more year to turn around. Otherwise, they'll be cut. To, I mean, like I'm sorry, I'm a little confused. Yeah, it's not just a catalyst. Is it reaction? What's the scientific word? I don't know where you're going with this, but well, it's not just kind of a one for one correlation. Like okay. I say something bad something bad is going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. God is patient and loving and enduring. And even after a long time of people being evil, um, he doesn't like give the up on them. Years. He doesn't give up on them. In fact, he may put them in a better situation so that they can grow and have their faith. Hmm. But there comes a time when Eventually. God is going to say, I have done everything I can for you and you have continued to reject me and he'll just let them go their way. So the the focus is on God's grace, patience, and love. And then it shifts to, but there is an end to it. You know, there is an end to our time of grace that God gives to us. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Okay. Verse 10. 
On, Sabbath, on a Sabbath day, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. What? It's just such a ridiculous argument. Like, do your miracles on the other days, yeah. you know? This isn't a day for miracles. This is a day for rest. Yeah, and I'm not trying to defend him or anything, but... The Pharisee? Yeah, the ruler, yeah. but... Maybe in his mind, the people are supposed to be listening to him and worshiping, and they're lined up by Jesus like he's a, you know, a merchant. Like, they're waiting in line for bread at one of the sales Mm -hmm. booths, and they're, like, lined up to Jesus, like, give me this, give me this, give me this. And to him, if he didn't have faith in God, this looks like someone coming in and distracting people from worship. Mm -hmm. I mean... Not that he didn't have faith in God, but didn't understand Jesus was God. Yeah, um, and I guess my rebuttal to that would be, anytime Jesus is healing, he's also preaching. And so for him to be very upset and jealous about this without going over there and going, how is this guy able to heal people? Right, he what is wasn't he actually listening, saying? right. I mean, that's blinding yourself and closing your ears. Yeah, obviously this but I do, person yeah. is being yeah like you said blinded by satan and putting his trust in himself as the preacher and he doesn't want anyone else taking away Mm -hmm. from his attention on the sabbath because the original skepticism is good you know if someone just showed up in the temple and said i'm god um everyone should listen to me don't listen to your church as a spiritual leader you should go hmm yeah. I don't know about that. You know, I mean, even the Bible says test the spirits. So, there's yeah. something to it. I feel like <clears throat> I don't really have too much on this section because it's something I know mm-hmm. a bit about. But, again, I guess we should say something I haven't said in a while. But if you're listening to this and this is just our discussion we have between ourselves in the morning, so there might be things that we take for granted or have learned a lot and you might have a question on a section feel free to reach out pastor at the springs lutheran dot org org and um yeah if we skim over something too quickly you can always reach out to him but um yeah i feel i feel ready to move on from this this is obviously amazing that jesus is doing all these miracles but i um don't have too many questions about it all right let's keep going The parable of the mustard seed in the east. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? 
it is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again, he said, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all throughout the dough. I like this section. Mm-hmm. It's short, but just like the mustard seed, <laughs> it's big. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just kind of like, I think when you think of faith, being like a big faith or a little faith or a strong faith or a weak faith, if you have any faith, there's faith, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's important to remember. Obviously, we always want to be strengthening and growing our faith and getting deeper into God's word to make it bigger. But a little, I mean, it's in, you can't measure it really because a little faith is enough faith. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what your mom said when I wanted to plant mustard in our backyard? Well, because I, I read this and it like, you know, I've never seen a mustard plant before. Okay. Like I've looked online, so I'm like, I should, I should plant a mustard seed just to kind of see. And she's like, no, you will never be able to get rid of it. It grows in and has these super pervasive roots. It goes all over the place and it's almost impossible to remove, which for a garden, I'm like, okay, I want to plant other things. But as a picture of faith, it's not just large but it's strong, it digs in, you know, all these different things. Hmm. So at some point, I still do want to plant mustard somewhere. But you plant it in someone else's yard? <laughs> that's a different parable. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> but, but, you know, all those, the, the deepness of Jesus' parables is just... Yeah. I heard a really cool quote I just wanted to share. And my pastor, um, I've been meeting with some pastors... And it was that the word of God is deep enough for an elephant to drown in, but shallow enough for a child to play in. Hmm. So just that it's, you know, I just thought it was a cool thing. And um, I was talking to Pastor Heckendorf, and he said it was attributed to, like, Martin Luther, and then he saw another source that it was attributed to Augustine or someone else of origin, and then um, he saw another one that it was attributed, actually, to St. James. So, I don't know where it actually comes from, but I think it's just a really neat What was the first part again? The Word of God is deep enough. For an elephant. Even though they're good swimmers. But oh, yeah. No, that's the point is not the <laughs> swimming. The point is that it's, you know, it's so, so deep. You can always go deeper. However, even a little child can appreciate how amazing it is. So it's good. Yeah. Um, let me see how much time we have. Well, let's do one more little thing. Let's do well, the narrow door. But then there's going to be just this little section left. Fine. Just read the whole thing. Okay. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? 
He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside, knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, but and you taught us in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you came from. Away from me, you evildoers. There will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from the east and the west and the north and the south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who will, who are last who will be first and first who will be last. Yeah, read the next section because it does tie in very well to this. Okay. At that same time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox, I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who sent you, how often I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hmm. What is happening here? (laughs) What do you mean? Which part? All of it. All of it. <laughs> all right. Okay. So first of all, the, big the narrow door. Yes. Okay. Um, it's hard to get to heaven. Heaven's a narrow door. Camels through an eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. That that all we know makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, if you don't, you know, have faith and believe in Jesus, he'll say, I don't know you. Weeping and gnashing of teeth is hell. Right, I but get it's it. not that Jesus wants people to go to hell, and that's the tie-in I, I meant when Jerusalem, that he wants everyone to go to heaven, but there are many people that want to go to heaven through something that's not Jesus. You know, Right, they're they not coming, by the door is open, and they're not coming through it. Yeah. And, and then once it's too late, you right. know. They were, like, like in a way like staying outside the door because they want to enjoy the things of this earth, you know, instead of going in and seeing the things that are better. Mm-hmm. Okay, or my guess... they may be actually trying to praise God through their lives, but they refuse to believe what the Bible says about him. So saying, well, I knew Jesus, I did this, but at the same time they did not really rely on Jesus for their salvation. Right, and I think verse 30 is sort of touching on that hope in yourself those who are first will be last last will mm-hmm. be first if you're if you're putting your trust in yourself you're saying i'm the greatest or i'm the best or i have great faith or i give this much or whatever the pharisees mm-hmm. say here's my questions with the jerusalem section um no prophet can die outside jerusalem mm-hmm. that was just a saying um because you look kills at their own well look at look at all of the prophets that died throughout the Old Testament. They weren't killed by people that 
were from different countries. The prophets that God sent to his people were killed by his people. See, I guess I didn't really know And that. most times in Jerusalem. Hmm. I mean, Jeremiah had to flee. He was thrown into a cistern and then he ran away to Egypt. Um, you have, by the Israelites? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you have, like, Elijah, who King Ahab was coming after, and he was hiding out um, but with that widow. But Elijah didn't get killed by that. No, he got taken up, but he still... Uh, was Ahab persecuted. Was pers- yeah, per- persecuted and tried to be killed by the king. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Saul tried to kill David, who was a prophet speaking for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you think, well... The minor prophets of Hezekiah, people didn't like what he was saying. Were they Ezekiel. Any put to death, though, in Jerusalem? I guess I just didn't like... I kind of skim over the prophets, or when I read them, it's just like all these prophecies against Jerusalem or against the Babylonians and whatever. I never really put together that they were killed... In Jerusalem. I think there were a lot more prophets, especially through the divided kingdom that spoke out for God, that were persecuted and killed for what they they said. Hmm. Um, so that would be after Solomon all the way up until Ezekiel. So basically from the year 900 to 700. Hmm. So then the last verse... And says, I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Is that Palm Sunday? Mm-hmm. So he's saying, I'm in, he's in Jerusalem now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And he's going to leave and he's not going to come back until it's time for him to die. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it's going to be pretty much too late because these Pharisees are going to be stuck in there ways of oh in their ways well then i just started paging ahead because i'm like we're only in luke 13 and i'm just looking at the headings here pharisee's house parable 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 teachings rich man lazarus mm-hmm. and then i guess i didn't really read too much but then Verse or chapter 17, 10 healed of leprosy, it says now on his way to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So he, then there's more parables. Parables, little children in Jesus, blind beggar, Jesus predicts his own death, Zacchaeus. And then finally in the middle of 19, triumphal entry. So all this stuff that happens between when he says this. And Palm Sunday, he'll be having left Jerusalem and going to different areas. I would have to look at this a little bit closer. I don't. I know I don't you have said before answer. that Luke isn't really necessarily chronological. Yeah, he might not be, and he might also be saying this just directly to these Pharisaic leaders that he is not going to confront them. In oh. the temple until Holy Week when he talks about like this. Like you personally. Will yeah, you personally, okay. the leadership. Like he's going to be around Jerusalem and talking to people. And 
mm-hmm. at festivals and you know Zacchaeus who wants to bring him in but he's not going to have a conversation where he says in Jerusalem I you know I want to bring you back I want you guys to repent please do this so this is like his kind of like this is your last chance or he's saying maybe like your hearts are hard it almost goes back to the fig tree you know, the that, Pharisees aren't producing. Fruit. Yeah, that right here, you're not producing fruit. But guess what? I'm gonna give you a little more time, and you're gonna see some amazing things. You're gonna see people rise from the dead. You're gonna see all these prophecies fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, but the time is running out when there won't be any more time. I mean, coming back from uh, going to Pilate and asking him to kill Jesus is such a strong action. It's really tough to come back from that and be like, oh, I was wrong about that. Right. You know, you're going to lie to yourself even if you do yeah. realize you're wrong. No, that makes, that kind of makes sense. Yeah. Well then, okay. We'll just, I'll just pay attention to that as we read the next chapters because I'm interested if it says that, you know, where he's going because it was maybe other accounts of his life where you can kind of map out where he was at what time, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I have to pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. All right, well, the next time we're chapter 14. Have a wonderful day. <laughs> Bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up. 